0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Please be seated. The earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever. The Colic today speaks of gracious promises. Whether I like it or not, this is a gracious promise that seems to have been made to me and to you and those others around this wearied and weary earth who choose to gather together in the Lord's name, Jesus Christ, who choose to stand together on this earth and acknowledge his lordship over it, come what may, and who at times feel like we are standing together against this earth to make that affirmation. Jesus is Lord now of everything. Yes, it's wearying, wearing, wearing out at times to be so over against everything. But let's not look a promise in the face, a gift, a gift of grace, unless the face we are looking into is the face of Jesus Christ, as he has made himself present to each of us in each of us, in each other. Now I look into my face, and I am not so sure. But I look into each of yours, and I am positive. Grace is promised. Grace is given, here and now. Promised, yes, and that means there is more to come, more grace, and more of the face of each and every one of you than I can face right now. Thomas Merton said that when we get to that place, when we have faces, when we get to heaven, or this earth renewed and restored to a glory only hinted at in its present and former existence, whichever comes first, when we get there, there will be not much of you and I there. That's not meant to sap the sweetness of what I'm trying to do here, but to sour it a little, make it tart and tangy with a little vitamin C. When Thomas Merton was asked, what do you think heaven is like, he said, well, one thing is for sure, there won't be much of you there. By you, he meant me. There won't be much of a lot of things we're trying so hard to hang on to here, there, and think we are taking with us there when we're not and may be taking them here a little more seriously than we ought. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. By heavens, Isaiah does not mean heaven. He means the atmosphere, the air we breathe, the limits of our aspiration and our expiration. Jesus sets this up in his little contretemps with Peter. Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You are the Messiah, says Peter, the anointed one, not a prophet appointed by God who sees it happen and says so, but a savior, anointed by God to make it happen so. And then the bonus when Peter gets it right. Blessed are you, Simon bar Yonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Conformed to the world stamped out in its mold, we see things in a certain way or not. What you see is what you get, but you get it through a glass, darkly. We live by one basic truth. No one gets out of here alive. The actual tables still seem to support this notion. We may get from this the implication that lies in this commonality. We're all in this together. Not necessarily. But we're too busy trying to get out or get away from the conundrum that we are getting out, like it or not, to see the one another with whom we share this certainty of one thing, death coming to get us as we strive to get away from it. We try to pursue what happiness we can then within this closed world, come what may, come what will. And that pursuit tends to make us selfish. It must, unless we see this connection, Why not pursue the happiness of others instead of your own? Sacrifice your own if you like. There's no way out, and we're in this together. Let's be in this together for one another. So, our country has much to say to us about happiness, a little bit about togetherness, not so much about being happy together. Our country also gives us this, a little Latin, A pluribus unum, out of many, one. A work of synthesis, of integration. Many are brought together to make one, like cords twisted together. And that work of synthesis, of coming together, requires sacrifice, self-sacrifice. The giving up of many cherished hopes and dreams, many of which define us, seem to make our personal identity. Make us what we are over against one another for the sake of one another. Again, when Merton was asked, what do you think heaven is like? He said, well, one thing is for sure. There won't be much of you there. A pluribus unum, out of many, one. But we live, the world lives by this motto. It's reverse. Et pluris ab uno, many out of one, in which the uno is numero uno, number one. We each are number one in a world of one, safely insulated from anyone else. And we try to think better and better of ourselves as we try to make everyone around us just like us. A work of analysis then, of separation, of taking apart from one make many, who are like the one from which they were made, all alike. For we like those who we are like, who like us because we are just like them. Disintegration separates the unlike one, and self-sacrifice becomes sacrifice, plain and simple, into the volcano with the scapegoat, the one who stands out. Paul says, don't sacrifice one another, Don't sacrifice to one another. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Your mind has been transformed, says Paul, in Christ, renewed. May be ready for a work of integration, a building up by putting together with others. But this work is a hard work. Because we do not come preformed like Lego, modular, and ready to snap together. We work very long and hard, the work of a lifetime, on a good fit. We never quite get there. More and more of us is trimmed off, sublimated, sacrificed, until there's nothing left, almost. So we, though are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another but that membership in one another can cost some of us more than others. Though many one are, one body in Christ, Paul says, leave aside what we can do on our own together. We belong together. We long to be together, yes, almost more than anything, with one another, but also and especially with Christ. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Paul takes this language of the body to town in another text, 1 Corinthians 12, for which I see all of these gestures leading. And I quote, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're left with a paradox, of course, We are the whole, we are the members, the pieces that make up the whole. We have to be who we are called to be as a piece, then we have to be fitted together somehow into a whole. That's more than any society can or has ever been able to do. How to make that fit, that synthesis. The trouble, friends, for us today As we wend our way to heaven, whether in the church or in the world, in the body or out of it, is this. To get along? No, to belong together. To get together, to stay together, to work together for Christ. We need a work of synthesis to pull us together and bind us together and build us together. Following the world's best wishes for harmony, we have become more and more Disembodied. And everything in our culture, even these most well meaning gestures to safe spaces and political correctness, is making us more so, not pulling us together pushing us apart with walls of insulating cotton wool between us. So we will never touch, not in irritation, not in tenderness, not in intimacy, not in love. It's a beautiful thing. It's designed to protect us from ourselves and create a world of no risk. But there is risk in love. There is risk in tenderness, risk in intimacy. No, not just risk a guarantee that we will hurt one another in the loving of one another. And it's a fool's errand to think we'll get out of here without that pain. And Jesus Christ has not provided for that. We can try to manage our differences with what we have, play safe, keep safe, and use what we see to get something safe, maybe. We can turn to one another to get it to work. It won't. Or we can turn to Christ. Christ return to him some way. He is our only hope, if that is our future. We can try to think better of others, less of ourselves. His grace will go a long way to helping us with that. But in heaven, where we long to be, we will be together, like it or not, with other sinners in recovery, now healed for good, from whom we sought by every means in this life to get away. There will not be much of you and me in heaven, so I pray, but we will be all there, you and me, ready to begin again and again in Christ's forgiving love. We seek his mercy, not his justice, and we pray that there will be more time more grace and more must more, more mercy to get to the real you and me, little as it is that, hidden from one another, we sought to pry free. May God give us the tenderness, the forgiveness, and the grace here and now to keep at that, more and more, that work of inner separation, that which of which that which was conformed to this world, from that which is being transformed in Christ, from that which was held captive to a tired, tired old world and a weary old age, worn out long ago like a ratty old garment, and into the freedom of the children of God, white robes, please, flowing, but not too loose that tremble to the touch. Amen.